Hi, thank you for tuning in to the Finding Harmony podcast with me, your host, Harmony Slater. Hi, welcome to the Finding Harmony podcast. I'm here today with Russell Case. It is very much an honor to be here with you all today. Thank you. And we're joined by someone that I met, hmm, I don't know, maybe five years ago, I think, in Brazil, Marcos Silva. Hi, Marcos. How are you? Hi, Harmony. Hi, Russell. I'm fine. Thanks. Thank you for having me here with you guys. Oh, fantastic. I, um, it's, we really very much wanted to have you on the show. I know that you have a, a passion project uh, that we wanted to introduce for our listeners, and uh, but we also wanted to wanted them to get to know you uh, as the philosopher and activist and yogi. Um, if you'll allow me, I have a little intro to read for you. No problem at all. Go ahead, <laughs> take your time. <laughs> In light of the recent escalation of the COVID crisis in Brazil, Marco Silva is hosting a Rid Yoga Contra a Foma. I don't think I pronounced that correctly. Yeah, it's not that <laughs> <laughs> Maybe with my Carioca accent from Brazil, uh, my Brazilian Portuguese is Rede, Rede Yoga Contra a Fome. Okay. Yoga contra a fome. Yeah, yoga net against uh, hunger. Yoga against hunger, yes. So you've invited five uh, Brazilian-renowned, I think uh, world-renowned, but five Brazilian-renowned yoga teachers to share their time and knowledge uh, each Saturday of May 2021, and you can practice with them with... um, uh, with the links that we'll provide you. Uh, the donations will all be directed to CUFA, uh, C-U-F-A, Centro Unica das Favelas. Favelas. Favelas, yeah. Favelas. Yeah, yeah Maze ah. de Favela, Mothers of the Slum. Uh, we wanted to bring you on the show, Dr. Silva, to speak about the crisis in Brazil and learn more about your yoga story as well. Uh, where are you? Where are you calling from? Okay, but, but for, first of all, thank you very much for the invitation again. It is a kind invitation. I, I, I feel uh, honored to be here. This Congratulations for, for you, Russell, and Harmony for all your work raising money for India, too, taking part in our, this campaign and also our campaign here in Brazil. Harmony will be in our campaign here uh, also in June. So in mm-hmm. June, we go international <laughs> in a sense. Uh, and congrats for your very good material, Harmony. I mean, I really like your, your, your work in social media. I think it's much above the average in, in this Ashtanga <laughs> yoga world. So I'm, I'm very, um, I mean, it's a great honor to be here. Well, thank I'm, you. Okay, I'm, 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 I'm I'm in Recife now. Recife is a, a capital of Pernambuco, is a state in Brazil, northeast part of Brazil. Uh, although I'm 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 from Rio de Janeiro originally, mm-hmm. but my I work here. Yeah, I have a position at a university uh, called yeah Federal University of Pernambuco. So that's the Federal University. 
Yeah, that's a public university, and yeah, that belongs to the federal uh, government. Yes. Okay. And you're inland; you don't get to see the ocean so much. Yeah, I mean the capital here, the Recife, is a beautiful capital uh, as well, like uh, several cities in northeast part of Brazil, as Fortaleza. Fortaleza, uh, Harmony know, mm-hmm. uh, knows a lot. Uh, actually, I, I, I met first time Harmony there in Fortaleza in a workshop in Lucas Carvalho's uh, beautiful Shala uh, in Fortaleza, mm-hmm. in Ceará. And all this capital here in, in northeast part of Brazil are, are kind of uh, have beautiful beaches, but I'm not living by the beach here. I okay. choose to live close to the university because the traffic here is kind of uh, catastrophic. <laughs> <laughs> so I can get to very quick to the university, avoiding uh, headaches. Yeah, that's helpful. Mm. <laughs> Can you uh, tell us a little bit about how you you came to be working with uh, uh, Kufa, uh, if, if I can use that uh, acronym? It was it was founded by the by a music producer. I, I can't pronounce his name either. Uh, a a Ted. No, no, no worries about the, the pronunciation. Uh, I, I think his name is Ataid. Yeah, Ataid, mm-hmm. and he's a rapper and. Kufa is an organization, a non-governmental organization here in Brazil. It's well known for its uh, social work in the favelas, slums. And now during the pandemic, they are running a new kind of program, operation, for helping the, uh, the black women, the mothers there, mm. who are the people who are, in a sense, in danger because of the social problems uh, during the pandemic mm. which got worse much worse now mm. it's it's an interesting i had just spoken to uh, uh laura uh, miguel um your um, um compatriot and uh, we were talking about the film negro orfu um which was a film about the the favelas and uh the uh black brazilian experience uh, so it's 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 interesting to hear you mention Kufa. Um, I, I wonder, maybe uh, you could you may you might be able to speak about that film as, as well. But I, I wonder, uh, what do you think it is about the favelas that is so much a part of the Brazilian heart? Yeah, uh, that's a very very good point, and maybe yeah, there there are some political points there, historical points as well. But first, I mean, I'm not directly uh, uh, connected to Kufa in a sense. I'm a, I work at the university. I I, I I've tried to have this uh, head yoga, which is a, a organization uh, created by some yogis here in Brazil, yoga practitioners who wants to uh, help people, uh, the diversity, and uh, creating a net of solidarity uh, during these hard times here, uh, using yoga as a channel, as a tool for social uh, justice, in a sense. Mm -hmm. Uh, Our message is yoga for all and trying to make yoga more accessible. And we kind of use the universities here, the public universities and schools to... Uh, make this dream uh, uh, possible uh, in a mm-hmm. sense. So, so uh, when we engaged in this kind of campaign against hunger here, because the situation is getting uh, worse and worse, uh, 
uh, we were thinking about some kind of national organization, uh, a non-governmental organization who might help us with this uh, campaign. And we, yeah, should be not be a, some kind of local thing because we have teachers, yoga teachers in several different cities, in different states in Brazil, in South part, in the North part, Northeast part of Brazil. Uh, and that should be, uh, yeah, we thought, man, we should pick up uh, uh, a national organization that uh, we respect. Mm. And mm -hmm. we choose, um, we chose this, uh, we decide for uh, KUFA, yeah? Mm. Because of because. the social work and also because of this beautiful campaign trying to help the, maybe the the people who are the most uh, vulnerable, the fragile, the most fragile people in this whole uh, pandemic who are the, the black woman, the black woman mothers in, in favelas. Yeah, mm. yeah and, the, and this organization um, that uh, the, the donations are going to work, works throughout the country um, in all different areas? Exactly, yeah. So they, they are, I mean, they have the expertise, yeah. We do not really have expertise for this uh, kind of high-level <laughs> activism. <laughs> we are kind of yes. authors there. We do not have the structure. And we really, I mean, for me, for instance, yoga is not really my main uh, work, in a sense. Uh, so we have uh, other, yeah time and attention and, and need some kind of expertise to do a good job. So we are delegating this to, to KUFA. So we are raising donations for, uh, uh, with this campaign. Uh, we invited some uh, incredible, incredibly good teachers in Brazil uh, for May. We are in our third, um, by now we are in our third weekend with uh, the public uh, guided classes followed by talks about mm -hmm. yoga, good health, uh, uh, good health, and also uh, mindfulness and how to handle pandemic and everything online. And in June, because we we got such a good, in a sense, feedback from our community that we are, we plan to go international. So we invite some uh, dear friends, teachers, uh, offshores, uh, outside Brazil to give some classes here for us. And Harmony are is in, Wambui, uh, Chu, and Petri. They will uh, take part in this uh, campaign, this operation against hunger in Brazil for the black mothers in the favelas in June. We have already mm -hmm. scheduled yeah. That's extremely impressive and, and commendable. I I wonder. You mentioned there were a couple of uh, historical points to be made about the favelas, and I wonder if you could go back and circle around to those points. I mean, Brazil uh, is not disconnected to to this border history in a sense. We have four centuries of slavery in Brazil. Yeah, black slavery. Mm -hmm. I mean, we received. Uh, uh, thousand, thousand, millions of uh, uh, black indigenous people from Africa, folks that come here, came here. Uh, I mean, in this uh, is, is 
slavery uh, ships sent by the Portuguese government to work here uh, uh, in very, very, very bad situation and conditions. And this was a kind of public politics for over four centuries. You know, we we were here. The Brazil was the last country in Americas, in the, uh, North America, Latin America, to abolish slavery. That was in the 19th century. So we have mm-hmm. a longer history of slavery here, and maybe a, a few. Um, I mean, a century of uh, called freedom. Yeah, because to abolish slavery does not really mean that the, we give people decent conditions to live. Yeah? So mm-hmm. Good conditions <laughs> to live is another thing than abolishing. You know? You're just set, uh, setting people free does not mean that you have a meaningful and uh, healthy life in a sense, you know, psychologically and uh, socially. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, four centuries of slavery that can really leave some samskara, yeah, some mm-hmm. yeah. social historical samskara, and we are in the middle of that, yeah. If you go to the prisons in Brazil, you, you can see, uh, I mean, the large, 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 large majority of black people. If you go to the records, the, the uh, and you can see uh, people that got murdered by the police here. You're gonna see a large majority of black people there, but if you go to the university, it's the same in our country. Yeah, yeah. if you go to the university and if you go to any kind of uh, trying to find CEOs in great companies who are black, you, you cannot really find this majority there. But it's kind of different in the U.S., uh, Russell, because in U.S. The, the black people are not really. Uh, the majority there. I mean, it's kind of 20% of the population there. You mm-hmm. are the majority. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's mm-hmm. quite different. Yeah. And, and do you also identify as, as indigenous black uh, from this, this, um, herit- this slave heritage? Yeah. You yeah. do. And, and do you feel like you can, you can see the impact of that uh, on, your, on your family? Oh yeah, that's a that's a great question. Yeah, we have this kind of uh, black genocide here in Brazil. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, in a sense because we are we, yeah we have this thing that we and if if you go to the records of the, the the murders and the assassinations and the people that got killed by the policy here police here in Brazil, you can really see how uh, these kind of necropolitics, you know, this, mm-hmm. the power that choose uh, who will die in Brazil or choosing black people. You know? These mm-hmm. black people, people are exposed to death in Brazil and in a very, very bad situation. If they don't get murdered or killed in this uh, violence, this, uh, in favelas or in, in, in poor uh, parts of the cities. Mm-hmm. Um, we have this kind of uh, lack of autonomy and liberty and education. That also means trying to subjugate as a population here too. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a kind of creation of death, which has historical and political 
uh, roots. And personally, that's kind of difficult to, to speak about that, but it's uh, something that maybe connects to my uh, story in yoga and also story in academic and also I'm doing you know, in the pandemics, trying to help people here and also black women and, and black uh, people in the favelas. Because some years ago, kind of five, 15 years ago, my my uh, my brother here, my old brother, uh, he got killed here um, in Brazil, in Rio de Janeiro. That's that's not that's one of the reasons that I'm not living in Rio de Janeiro now, because I do not really want to want to keep distance from this kind mm-hmm. of uh, um, memory. So um, yeah. Much of my uh, personal history is connected to violence. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like many uh, black people here in Brazil. I'm not a a kind of exception. Mm-hmm. And I, I I would suspect that your place at the university as a student of uh, philosophy, a teacher of philosophy, a doctor of philosophy is is also. Would you also say that is an exception? It's a very good point. Very good question too. I'm total exception here. Uh, I think I'm also. Uh, I was fortunate enough to uh, to get founded in a sense by the uh, government, a more progressive government in the last uh, decade in Brazil. We have a kind of progressive uh, government, and with uh, some social uh, scholarships, and also raising funds for. Uh, um, a black minority in that university, and I was totally, totally helped by this kind of uh, policy mm-hmm. that was in our uh, former president called Lula. So I'm a left-wing uh, president who helped a lot to bring black people and minorities to the universities, and and yeah, I'm 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 a kind of a consequence of this kind of policy mm-hmm. so now when i'm in at university i try to connect to my students in order to help people in order to say that it's possible in order to play this kind of role uh, to be a kind of reference for people who do not really have references mm-hmm. and yeah, that's just connect to my mm-hmm. kind of personal. Uh, how can I say that? Personal mission. You know, that's mm-hmm. how I make mm-hmm. sense of what I'm doing now. I had a, a question to that point. That Harmony told me a story about how when she was with you in Brazil and teaching you, you you came to her at one point and said that you were thinking about leaving academia, leaving philosophy, and becoming a yoga teacher. And Harmony, I think you said, that's a really bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> can you can you talk about what went into that? Was it the, the politics that you encounter in academia that, that led you to that? Can you talk about why you wanted to go to yoga instead? Yeah, that's a complex thing. Yeah, the, I was blessed enough to, to meet uh, Harmony yeah, during this workshop. Actually, it was... I think I was in in US at that time in Pittsburgh. I was doing a kind of uh, uh, research uh, 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 sabbatic moment in my 
my career that mm -hmm. uh, at the University of Pittsburgh and I was kind of researching people in yoga and Ashtanga and I found Harmony, uh, Harmony's website and I, I was looking, oh, Harmony, yeah, cool. And she has a, 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 a academic background and also philo philosophy and religion. It was interesting mm -hmm. that. And I found out that she would visit uh, Lucas Carvalho in Fortaleza. I said, oh, that is the chance that I got mm. <laughs> to meet somebody who has maybe a, a similar uh, background as I have and trying to talk. And because, yeah, people in academic does, does not really, academia does not really have much interest in, in yoga. Mm -hmm whatsoever and also people in yoga uh, kind of uh, do not really pay much attention to academic things so i was kind <laughs> of in the middle of the two this talk to yeah i mean this conversation with harmony there was very important for me and yes i mean that's a kind of crisis yeah we are in in a sense mm. and mm -hmm. it was use her experience to shed some light in my crisis personal crisis at that moment moment and it was five years ago i think yeah but it's obviously a terrible idea to become a yoga teacher it's no <laughs> question um but what was what was the the crisis for you that you wanted to break away and and get out of get out of the constraints of the of the academy okay good so yeah i i, I was realizing that I, I gave kind of half of my life for academia and in a sense for these uh, uh pursuing this kind of uh, philosophy uh formal philosophy uh, background in academia doing my undergrad was undergrad uh, i mean a master and then phd and then trying to live with my phd which is not a simple thing to and I mean, my whole adult life was kind of given for this, uh, with the effort to make a way and to build myself possible for this kind of career. And at that moment, five years ago was kind of, I mean, senseless for me <laughs> because mm -hmm. what I'm doing, I, I, I reach it, uh, what I wanted, there was, I, I have this PhD, I have a, kind of certification, a document saying that I was doctor. I had at that moment also a, 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 I mean, a beautiful permanent position at the university, which is by far not an easy thing to, to get, also no. for young people and also for black, a, a black guy mm -hmm. uh, who comes from a, a kind of more, in a sense, modest family background or academic background at all. But it was kind of empty for me because what I was doing was kind of making my uh, curriculum larger, larger, and larger. And yeah, and I was writing, I mean, my whole adult life I mean, for writing things. I and mean, I was writing papers that's, that might be read by two people or three people, mm -hmm. highly <laughs> specialized things, yeah, and doing reviews for a kind of a selected group who are a kind of intellectual elite in a very 
unequal country, uh, full of violence. And I was kind of questioning myself, man, what I'm doing here? I'm working for an elite to bring some privilege um, for privileged, already privileged people. I'm really working for this. Uh, and I, I got this kind of crisis and I was thinking, sometimes I... <laughs> I was in a classroom with some students there, there's a young students uh, passionate for philosophy, and I was thinking, I mean, I, of course I didn't say that in public, but I was thinking to, and by my, to myself, guys, you're young people, maybe you can maybe get away from here. <laughs> there's <laughs> nothing that can really help you here. Uh, <laughs> Go do your yoga, go do meditation and then kind of mindfulness practice. Here you will only get some linguistic confusion and (laughs) also this kind of arrogant vocabulary and and these intricate concepts who might be useless for your real life. I was kind of thinking that, but I didn't really... (laughs) <laughs> you didn't yeah. you didn't discourage them quite so much <laughs> yeah not really yeah. i was totally disconnected to the to the student or with the students and my kind of call for yeah. the academia there so i was in the middle of this crisis trying to fighting for some sense for some meaning mm-hmm. in what we mm-hmm. was doing i i have a lot of resonance for that personally um having come out of uh academic uh, art institutions, which are a total contradiction in terms, yeah. in that they take a they take us and they say, you know, you have to challenge each and every uh, foundation of your culture and reinvent that culture in in um, just as the as the moderns do they they throw out all of the uh, monuments and they rebuild new monuments but yeah. this is post modernism so each e- there is no movement there's just the individual trying to recreate civilization and you're being taught to do this within an academy in a structured way which again is this bizarre contradiction in terms to to have a to have a formal radicalization and it's just all so much a nightmare for a 17 year old to like look around it's like i just i just like pretty colors <laughs> and it's in psych i it's amazing what you're seeing and what you're describing is like actually what these kids need is something that will help them yeah i think i totally agree in that is uh, i mean uh, to talk to to harmony and also thinking about all these crises, uh, I, I I thought myself I I, I, I totally agree uh, with you, Russell, on that. There is kind of a contradiction in terms. Uh, I mean, several contradictions in, <laughs> in, in the at the university. This kind of uh, creativity and uh, bureaucracy and and also this kind of uh, formalism and also uh, breaking through things uh, with autonomy and kind of freedom mm-hmm. and this kind of elite, but also trying to do things for a 
which should be universal for all, all people, but these all the goods go for a select group too. And yes. I think that, I mean, what I kind of like to do nowadays is to try to supervise uh, young scholars or young uh, students, young uh, researchers. That really makes sense for me now better than a kind of uh, publishing uh, several in this quite kind of quantitative measure of publishing several many 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 articles and papers in, in some specialized journal to get a, a kind of a bonus and also to have a good cv mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah, I think that That's, is the, the the point that I, I'm trying to make this more meaningful for me, and I have this kind of freedom at the university to do that, so I'm trying to use this freedom. And you started uh, kind of a yoga club at the university, is that right? Yeah, I'm I'm really trying to to enjoy my work a little bit better now, <laughs> mm-hmm. in a sense. Yeah, I mean, by the end of my this journey. Uh, uh, master PhD thing and publishing things and going to conferences and and you know, you know this thing my I was thinking that my relations were kind of bad my I was not supporting my family as as good as I wish I could my mm-hmm. health at that time was not good I was taking sleeping pills to get sleep because of the pressures of my work right. and cigarettes and i was i was sad yeah. i was kind of not good yeah mm-hmm. although my cv was spectacular it was there's <laughs> yeah. this kind of contradiction that we have you have a yeah. totally i mean, I mean yeah there's a bit of it i was totally destroyed but outside i was man this guy has everything yeah yeah, yeah there's kind of a disconnect between the body and the mind and and the success and the achievement versus the happiness and fulfillment is totally yeah. an inverse relationship starts to develop sometimes yeah and then yoga i mean it begins i mean maybe this can resonate with other people that it begins i mean one day a week and then after two days a week and then we you kind of think, oh, I'm feeling better. <laughs> my relations are getting better. My health is getting better. Uh, uh, I, I'm making better decisions. <laughs> I'm yeah. kind of connecting better uh, with my family too. And yeah, kind of interesting. Uh, my my attention is has a better quality. And this is mm-hmm. important for my kind of my work. And yeah, sometimes that was kind of kind of integrated several things, many things that I, I think that was kind of uh, impossible to integrate in a sense. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it gets you feeling better. You start sleeping better. You start having better relationships. And then two days a week becomes three days a week. And that becomes four days a week. And then pretty soon you've made a decision to destroy your life. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, that's, that's a shiva in a sense. We have to destroy things to, that's true. to get these things renewed and this, this kind of uh, phoenix thing. Yeah. 
Yes, the phoenix rising. I love that. But it's it's also amazing that you could also see the same struggle for your students that you know the the seventeen year olds who are coming to art school or coming to study philosophy, they're um, young dancers. You know they're they're suffering, and they're they're really in a in a terrible uh, struggle for identity. Um, how to make their way in this world that is uh, that is at, at all points seeking to take advantage of them and um, uh, exploit them as a resource. That's a good point. Uh, I, I totally, I totally connect. Uh, I totally, I, mean, I I see myself in this picture that you made now. Yeah, I was very young at the university. Kind of 17 years old, I would I mean, no art, art <clears throat> background at that time. Uh, but I can see this struggle for identity, and I was looking for meaning. I look was kind of sense of life, meaning of life. I was really, really naive, yeah, at that moment. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. yeah, and it was it's incredible because I was lucky too, <laughs> because I kind of connect to my teachers and professors and some professors there and I was oh I was thinking yeah maybe and I yeah maybe this is possible this is interesting there is nothing to do directly with meaning of life but is I can kind of connect to these uh, researchers because I have this intellectual curiosity I like to learn things languages mm-hmm. and also learn from I kind of used uh, philosophy, uh, my, the university as a kind of platform, so I, I could learn, 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 and use all my attention, time, and I mean, my youth and my strength to learn things, and not directly connect to this uh, more. And I got very pragmatic in a sense, so right. efficient. Yeah, give me what I have to be to do, and I, I give you that this result. And you leave me here, and I can uh, study more and learn more and things. That was kind of this trade-off that I uh, did in myself. Mm-hmm. I, I wonder if if you saw in um, in yoga and say Patanjali something else that resonated with you, and that um, rather than uh, pure. Uh, critical discourse on what things are and how language changes what we think of things. You have with Patanjali, you have this um, an identification of how things are, but also a, a, then a prescription for what the fuck to do about it. Mm. That's also a good point. Uh, I, I really didn't... Uh, my, my first experience with uh, yoga or I mean, with these asanas, uh, my was really not philosophical at all. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I didn't know much about Patanjali. Uh, I was not reading Yoga Sutra. I, and also, that was interesting. It was important for me because I was kind of sick of theories and sick of philosophy. I was mm-hmm. looking for experience in my body and to feel more connected to myself and to my my body, and that was always something important for me. I, I, I always 
uh, was connected to sports and running and also boxing and and this kind of stuff but i have this uh, intellectual curiosity too and also have this energy uh, intellectual energy intellectual and also physical energy but i, I really do not know did not know at that time that it would be possible to connect these two things yeah? mm-hmm. uh, but i mean i got what of this this kind of thing that I bring us to what we find in Ashtanga. I mean, I think uh, Ashtanga in this Patabijoas tradition, not Patanjali's tradition, mm-hmm. that we kind of learn several things in how to procedure in the world, how to deal with this condition of life, you know, traumas, samskara, and also this uh, samsara. Mm-hmm. Uh, we through the asanas, and this is precious, this is interesting. <laughs> we kind of learn all these uh, ahimsa, satya, staya, and also these yamas and yamas, everything with this personal practice, trying to do this every day uh, on the mat, and that got reflected uh, outside the mat. This is a kind of magic and this is magical for me even today yeah? when i try to share a little bit what i've learned in this um, last yeah. year so i was not kind of connect directly to the philosophy of yoga but i can could see how to perform things and how to get my life better uh, through the asanas and that through the method for this uh, ashtanga method and that was powerful for me yeah it's amazing how you can come to the practice without uh, much knowledge of even what yoga is and basically no philosophy or no understanding of of the greater picture of yoga, the greater vision. Um, and you're just coming to do some kind of stretching and maybe some push-ups, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, things that are going to make your body feel better. Maybe you're coming for health reasons or stress relief but then slowly over time the more you practice the more your life starts to change the more you feel very deeply your own personal connection and sensations and that allows you also then to feel and empathize with other people's um, situations and circumstances and then everything starts to change and um, transform as as you mentioned and it is a type of magic how what we learn in one area of our life or what we bring to one area of our life starts to show up in all areas of our life what is the reason for that harmony in your <laughs> humble opinion that is a kind of magic I, I do not really have another uh, word for that it's such a magical thing for me I like to think of fractals when I think of these things that we're all, you know, a similar pattern, like when the universe as a fractal and we're these little microcosms of the macrocosm and it's the same sort of uh, pattern, right, that's showing up in our cells, in our bodies, in, in the earth, in the universe, um, and it's all somehow very interconnected and we might not even be able to 
explain it, but maybe fractals is the best way I can think of it. It's <laughs> a good point. In, in a sense, that is very good for me, in, I mean, personally, that I have this kind of uh, difficult difficulty to explain this kind of magic. That's uh, uh, liberation for me. I do not really mm-hmm. have to explain that. Yeah, just yeah, just, just be okay with the mystery. Yeah, that's that's a kind of big, big, big teaching for me. That's something that I really, I mean, that makes me kind of more humble in a sense. Yeah, mm-hmm. settle down. Okay, take your time. Just enjoy, <laughs> enjoy the work. Yeah, stop doing, mm-hmm. stop uh, uh, making theories about everything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it can be a little bit of a a relief. Or a surrender. No, totally. Mm-hmm. You know, I think sometimes yoga uh, gets perceived as a, a self-indulgent pursuit. You know that there's um, the the white girl or the 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 bourgeois, and you know it's something that they do with their recently criminalized lattes. <laughs> you know that more and more though that people. Um, are talking about yoga not as something that is bourgeois, but as something that's an inherently political choice in the way that, say, veganism is perhaps more political than vegetarianism. Uh, maybe I, I uh, some people, some vegetarians might might be upset with that. But um, I wonder if you, if you think if you think about that um, yoga as a political choice. You know, in the way that when when you are nonviolent, you're against violence, and I'm I'm wonder if you um, if you were thinking about uh, this thing that you do that is that helps you to relax and not critically view as really part of a, a as Harmony said a broader fractal that's um, in resistance to your whole political structure, your, your government, your society. I totally agree. That's, that's one of the part of the magic that was, uh, <laughs> what we were speaking about. Uh, there is a kind of connection uh, between this internal thing, this external thing, this personal thing, and also the social thing and political uh, uh, actions in the world. Uh, and we really understand that in a sense uh, in our daily practice, this is crazy. Uh, why, why this mad thing, this crazy asanas, putting ourselves in very uncomfortable positions every day really shed some light in this connection between the internal and external and also this uh, personal and this social thing. I mean, the transformation is not this bourgeois thing, this internal, personal thing. If, it, it, if it does not really reflect outside the mat or in your relation, there is something wrong. <laughs> not wrong, wrong is too too hard, strong word. Maybe you're not practicing yoga as you should be <laughs> practicing. Yeah. Something's not working, maybe. <laughs> yeah, something's not working properly. Uh, uh, try harder or, or find another teacher but we have this kind of uh, more a deeper connection between this internal external and also this personal and i really think that yeah uh, i think also this kind of magic happened 
I, I could really feel this magic in myself because I had this kind of urge to teach and give back to the community in a very strong sense while, that's crazy, while I was learning or struggling with the mm-hmm. drawbacks. <laughs> <laughs> kind of, I mean, the drawbacks and also these crazy uh, uh, backbendings from the, I mean, the, 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 between the first and the second series kind of opened up something in me. Mm-hmm. That's connect something in my lower back and in my chest, and I, I mean, that was crazy. And I was, man, I have to try to bring the people to this kind of feeling too. Let me try to help people. That was mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah, like a heart opening, um, where you felt compelled to share and compelled to um, bring other people into the space that you were entering into, maybe. Yeah, I was kind of. That is also interesting. That maybe has something to do with my karma or some scars, my my personal uh, uh, karmas in a sense, because I was living in another city in Brazil, kind of five years ago. Also, when I met Harmony in a workshop in Fortaleza, I mean, Brazil is a great city, a great country. Yeah, I was living in a city in Northeast and go to went to Fortaleza. Uh, which is also in a, a, a city here in Brazil. The northeast of Brazil is far away. And I remember that I, I was practicing alone in, in this city, uh, Maceió, where I was living without community and without a teacher there. I mm-hmm. kind of practiced that two years long without teachers and community because there was no, there were no teachers in, in Ashtanga community there at that time it was that was a kind of great great uh, uh kind of cause of my uh, uh complaints <laughs> and that, uh, <laughs> i was totally uh, upset about this kind of thing complaining every day where are the teachers here where is the where is the community i'm totally alone that's not fair i have to right. do these crazy drawbacks here by myself this, this <laughs> does not really make sense and that was the kind of click that Marcos, stop complaining, man. Why, why don't you begin a com- community here? Try to share the method. And yeah, and right. that was the click for me. Yeah. <laughs> During the practice, yeah. Amazing. I, I wanted to ask um, we did an interview recently, and we realized uh, through the course of the production of the interview that we had, we were putting our our guest at risk. Um, her own government was was potentially um, antagonistic to her. And I, I wonder how you feel now. Do you feel that uh, you are comfortable in Brazil today? Are you at risk? Or is it the same threat of being, um, being Black and, and Brazilian? I mean, there is no Black people. There is no Black guy in Brazil who can really feel totally safe. I cannot really leave my home here without my personal documents because I I know if I if I I mean on, on the street and maybe some uh, cop or policyman stop me without a document I really will have a hard time here. Mm-hmm. And yeah. 
And that's why we really have to be very aware all the time of what we are doing, with whom we are doing stuff. And of course, this kind of racism in Brazil is not explicit, Mm-hmm. Uh, as in U.S., for instance, but yeah, there's a kind of more in- implicit or, or tacit, in a sense, racism here. But I do not really feel uh, safe to do things. I'm trying to use my my position uh, to get some freedom to speak out, in a, in a mm-hmm. sense, for this speak out and speak up for this kind of. Uh, Thing. And that starts with yoga too, yeah? uh, this kind of urge for uh, activism. Yeah? I was thinking mm-hmm. about yoga should not be just for privileged people, for an elite, for elite for, I mean, uh, intellectual and also spiritual and also physical elite in a sense for selected people. I was trying to give more privilege to people who already have all privilege. That's not really make sense. I was trying to make I do not really live from yoga, so I, I can do whatever I want. That was my, <laughs> my kind of thought at that time. Yoga, trying to make yoga more accessible, this kind of net of solidarity, bringing, making yoga more inclusive. And if I am there teaching and trying to practice too, that also means some uh, that I can also be for some help for black people here because. You know, we have so few black teachers and black practitioners here that, I mean, just for the simple reason to be there, practicing is already a good thing. Why do you think that that is, that the yoga community is um, very disproportionately represented? Is it just the financial um, burden of having to take yoga classes and pay for them, or is it accessibility um what what makes that sort of yeah that's a good very good question you know i i think it was kind of not, not blind but i was trying not to think through or think about this kind of thing because it was trying really my my story here is a kind of story of uh, my personal story is a kind of story of survival you know i was trying to survive uh, my things and uh, then I, I, I found a academic life as a kind of platform to make this possible and to learn more and have this kind of social mobility mm-hmm. which was not a problem maybe I was using yoga too as a kind of platform to, to make me possible in a sense and then that is kind of grew up mm-hmm. uh, what I was learning, uh, uh, I was totally against social media. Yeah, this kind of uh, highly, highly against social media. I didn't have any kind of uh, interest in this mm-hmm. kind of thing. Uh, but then came the pandemic. I was uh, uh, at that mo- moment. I I already have this kind of program club in, at the university, uh, uh, offering free Ashtanga classes for students and also for the black community uh, because the, the public universities in Brazil are also in these uh, suburbs in a sense and also they are not on the beaches and beautiful mm-hmm. postcards they are kind of far away and this is a, is a, a heritage from our dictatorship here in Brazil 
put the universities very far away from uh, uh, the the central parts of the cities. You know, and and by that, forgive me to interrupt. By that, you don't mean the current dictatorship, but a previous one. Yeah, the previous one. Okay. Okay. And um, when when was that previous dictatorship? I was not uh, alive to that sense because uh, that was from uh, 1964 to 1984. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, yeah, or 82 because it was this kind of uh, process of opening the democracy again. But, uh, mm-hmm. it, take, it took some time. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of 20 years of uh, dictatorship in Brazil. Uh, run for uh, by the uh, um, army, mm. uh, and now we have a, 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 a ex-military here in Brazil as a president, and that's a kind of a huge problem here too. But before I get into this and talk about these uh, bad issues, maybe I have to try to uh, answer Harmony's question about this kind of. Uh, Inequality mm-hmm. is is elite thing in Brazil. This is crazy because uh, if you are in university, uh, we, we black people in Brazil we are kind of more than half of the population. But if you go if you go to the universities, we are far from the half of uh, in the, at the universities. Uh, mm-hmm. And after some uh, uh, public policies to uh, in the from, uh, previous. Uh, presidents to, to make this um, uh, kind of more fair place for minorities there. Mm-hmm. But now, if you go to the yoga yoga community in Brazil, this kind of uh, uh, discrepancy, this kind of inequality is much, much high, higher. This is crazy. Uh, how we do not really uh, think about this and not really, cannot really discuss uh, uh, dispute this kind of injustice there. Because if you mm-hmm. go to the, the shalas, uh, you do not really see uh, black people there. Uh, it's right. kind of crazy. It's kind of uh, maybe one person, two person, mm-hmm. five person at, at most. Uh, and we are hmm, more than the half in this population. What is happening here? There is... There's, hmm, we really have this this kind of discrepancy here, and you have to uh, fight for uh, more uh, better proportionality here, in a sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I'd like to ask what because you described a a more um, progressive government that gave rise to policies where people like yourself could uh, find the room to excel. Yeah, and uh, it's it's interesting that out of this situation, um, I think uh, an ex-military fascist with nativist populist beliefs became elected president. Yeah, and it, it's so similar to what happened in the United States, and where you know you've got this massive population of aging white men who feel completely useless and are antagonized against everyone else because of their uselessness. 
and uh, they seek someone who's just going to um, fulfill their, um, to do their wish fulfillment, that there will be a kind of incredible Hulk to, to knock everything down for them. And they hire, you know, they elect someone like Trump, who is um, an imbecile, who cannot do or achieve any of their needs and will only corruptly take advantage of them. That's a good, it, very good assessment. Yeah. <laughs> is, this, is this what happened with Bolsonaro? I mean, Russell, you're totally correct. Yeah, I, I agree <laughs> on that. Also, I agree with the uh, imbecile. <laughs> I mean, Brazil is not disconnected to the world. Yeah? Uh, mm-hmm. We are living a far right wave thing, in a sense. We are uh, this kind of authoritarian leaders in a conservative wave. Uh, uh, giving voice for uh, to these uh, uh, privileged people who might uh, uh, felt themselves um, threatened by a pro- more progressive uh, uh, policies. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we have a, here uh, also our uh, clown, just as Trump was a clown. <laughs> his whole uh, career in a sense yeah, nobody uh, paid much attention for this kind of guy there the television and doing crazy things and here bolsonaro was uh, a clown too yeah with this kind of agenda conservative ag- highly conservative agenda for right things against minorities and uh, for violence, polarization, and torture, and, and, and kind of saying good good things about the dictatorships in the whole world, and all denying uh, science, uh, and all this kind of thing here. And then I think this far right wing, this conservative wave, just chose Bolsonaro that it was, I mean, this kind of the bearer new liberalism thing, choose him for this kind of agenda for giving, protecting privileged people against uh, uh, progressive uh, policies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think that's his, he took the power as Trump took the power and he's part of a, 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 in a big, bigger picture. Bolsonaro is also a, a ban on thing just happened in Brazil. He was the right mm-hmm. guy in the right moment and uh, defending yeah, his religion, money, uh, populism, uh, uh, everything about the nation and Brazil first and mm-hmm. quite this kind of macho uh, figure, strong leader, I'm here to solve the problems. And yeah, this is the kind of speech. But there's clearly, there's a, there's a dynamic where there's a, a large population, a mob, that that seeks mob justice, um, but there's also um, a darker group who is manipulating that mob and uh, taking advantage of them and exploiting them, and Bolsonaro and Trump is their puppet. Totally agreed. And so there's a there. Those are people who are frightened of progressive politics because that means that instead of having um, you know a, a, a tax rate at fifty percent, their tax rate is at 
you know, zero to one percent. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. And also, this has bad consequences here, yeah. <laughs> as you yeah. saw in the US and you are seeing here in Brazil and also in India. Yeah, you guys are helping India too with this COVID thing. And we have this kind of discourse against science and nationalism, populism, and India first, and this kind of uh, religious religion mixed up with uh, politics and mm -hmm. uh, the figure of this macho, strong leader there too. It's a kind of global uh, phenomenon in big populations too. Yeah, Brazil is not mm -hmm. outside of this picture, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think <laughs> Bolsonaro is the worst possible president at the worst time in Brazil. Uh, yeah. And yeah. We are fighting to survive and we are suffering the consequence of this uh, tragedy here. Yeah, and it's always the people who are the poorest that have already are struggling, that are already, um, you know, suffering, already working so hard just to get by that seem to suffer the most at times like this, especially when there aren't the social... Um, systems in place to help people. So, yeah, so we we're in the middle of this kind of uh, denialism. Yeah, It's denying mm -hmm. the efficiency of a vaccine and the need for supplies of oxygen and these incubation mm -hmm. kits. Everything is critically low. Mm -hmm. In Brazil, the Brazilian people are kind of suffering uh, 4,000 deaths, uh, almost half a million deaths, avoidable deaths in Brazil because some guy uh, uh, with this uh, far-right against science agenda is doing a, a, a messy job uh, at, at the government, you know, the federal mm -hmm. government trying to sabotage. Yeah, uh, every it's, effort to coordinate things now to to make I mean effort to to bring this COVID pandemic down. Yeah, I think this is um, the the well, it's it's interesting. It was very much um, a blessing that COVID came in the last year of Trump's presidency because, for one. Um, on the one hand, we lost hundreds of thousands of people that should not have died because he actively um, organized against organization. Yeah. And doing so because he, he sought to politicize a, a disease. And in the, in the short term political benefit of blaming the Democrats on, on, um, what he said, amplifying a disease. So that he gets a short-term benefit from that for from his base. Yeah. Uh, and so then many hundreds of thousands of people died. But on the other hand, that disaster was so comprehensive that he could not evade responsibility for it. And it was so clearly his fault that we were able to... Um, get him out of office and so that no further damage could be done to all the other foundations of the country which were ongoing yeah and, and Russell we are living this kind of <laughs> you're kind of imitating US here yeah. because we are looking for our Biden here too yeah, in a sense. yeah. 
And maybe Bauer Biden will be, again, an older politician who might uh, coordinate uh, uh, things here, who might mm-hmm. be uh, uh, Lula again. Yeah? Yeah. So now we have no federal coordination whatsoever to fight COVID. Yeah? Mm-hmm. And he undermines every attempt to coordinate things. That's incredible, yeah. Mm-hmm. He himself, he refused to use masks, masks yeah. Mm-hmm. Doubts the vaccine and, and, and downplay the risk of the virus and everything. That's so poor yeah, in our situation here. That's, that's incredible, yeah. And he has responsibilities for that, yeah. But he also tried to wash his hands, yeah. Yeah. But you have an election coming up. We have a re-election, uh, re-election coming up. What is the dark thing here is that I mean, Bolsonaro might be uh, defeated next year, but Bolsonarism, yeah. this, kind of this conservative wave that supports him, that's, uh, it's one-third of a Brazilian population in Brazil, it's rich people with uh, yeah. kind of ed- ed- educated people <laughs> who mm. uh, also support him. Yeah. Also <laughs> who support him. Yeah. Uh, really tracing this kind of big money thing, not looking for people. And we are a kind of ambiental, uh, environmental problem here and also a political problem, econo- economical problem in the middle of this crisis. Also, uh, inflation, uh, rising prices for everything here, gas, food, yeah. and, and no leadership whatsoever to coordinate things here. And here yeah. uh, using fake news and misinformation, every tactic that we have uh, Trump used. Yeah. 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 Misinformation, it's- also the social media <laughs> gangster. Yeah. It's like they all got the same playbook. It's yeah. it's tried and true Nazi and Russian propaganda. Yeah, it worked then. It's and they're trying to make it work for them now. I I wonder though if, if just before we go, if we could highlight again the the work that you're doing for the pandemic and and the COVID crisis and and what you're doing go, going forward. Can you can you describe the, I'm going to try and pronounce it again, the head de yoga contra a fome. Very good. <laughs> Actually. You're getting there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, getting there, getting better. Yeah, better. Yeah. Maybe when you and Harmony uh, finally come back to Brazil here and visit us, I will give you a, uh, we can, have some Portuguese, Brazilian Portuguese with Carioca and accent from Rio de Janeiro. Uh, yes. What do you think? <laughs> that would be fantastic. We'll have to work on it. I was, as I was conceived in Portugal, I, I you know, I feel that uh, I should learn the language. Yeah, we feel connected. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Historically. So, Russell, uh, we are uh, in this, in the middle of this pandemic, so we, we, we have this kind of, uh, before the pandemic started, we have this yoga in a federal. Federal means federal. Uh, it's a university, our federal university. And it was giving uh, classes there. Uh, I mean, yoga classes for the community. And it was for free for everybody. And that was a great experience. That was for the last uh, three, two years uh, at the university. But then came the pandemic. 
And I was talking to my wife here, maybe you should go to the Instagram. <laughs> 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 trying to put some yoga thing, nasanas, motivational stuff, and try to... And I was totally against uh, Instagram and this social media thing, but I maybe we can give it a try. <laughs> and from this experience, this kind of year of... Uh, after a year in the Instagram thing, the thing grew up in Brazil, in a sense, in our experience in Instagram. And from this experience, uh, I kind of uh, thought of this uh, net of solidarity and, and to make yoga more inclusive and accessible for people, also in Instagram. And we have this kind of idea to... It was doing in a live, yeah? I was doing in a live with another black professor who, who is a... a uh, actual uh, harmony. He's a uh, uh, Lucas Carvalho's uh, student there. He is practicing oh, nice. with, with uh, mm-hmm. Lucas da Fortaleza too. He's a good friend of mine. I was talking about uh, black people at academia and also in yoga. That was after uh, George Floyd uh, assassination, murder mm-hmm. last year. Assassination. Yeah, almost, almost uh, a year. Uh, from that and we think maybe maybe you can do this kind of uh, organization in brazil trying to connect people to help at the universities and also bring yoga more accessible for everybody and then we have this idea for Hedi yoga during our life uh, and then yeah and we organized this Hedi yoga from the yoga na federal who was my former uh, uh, program mm-hmm. And now we are trying to make more relevant things, uh, which is this campaign against hunger. In May, we uh, started that with some Brazilian uh, teachers. And in July, now we are going internationally uh, with some international teachers. And Harmony is in our uh, is, uh, amazing asset for our <laughs> campaign, in a sense. So, is, is, are the classes open to everyone uh, in all different countries? Yeah, it's open for everybody. Uh, okay. And, and the best way for them to like figure out how to sign up and and make a donation is through your Hrede Yoga Contrera Instagram? Yeah, yeah we have uh, 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 this Hrede Yoga uh, Against uh, uh, Hunger, which is this Hrede Yoga Contra Fome. Uh, because uh, because uh, hunger is hitting hard these uh, uh, slums and favelas here, also mm-hmm. because of this uh, uh, shameful uh, government that we have here. It's not yeah. uh, it's just helping rich people to get richer, yeah, uh, and privileged people to get more privileges. Yeah, mm-hmm. and these uh, poor people in favelas dying there. So we are trying to help with this campaign. And we have this uh, uh, website, too. Okay, great. Uh, What's the website? Yeah, this Head Yoga website. We have we, we are on Instagram. We, we are on Twitter, too. And this Head uh, Yoga Contra Form is, an, is a hashtag, in a sense. Yeah, we use this okay. as a kind of hashtag to join efforts uh, there. And this everything is explained there. It's also in English. And you, people who might want to donate can use their uh, credit card to make a donation there it's easy huh? it's kind of um, 
Straightforward. It's straightforward. Yeah. Right. Perfect. Wonderful. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for coming on our our show today, Marcos. It was so wonderful to chat with you and and learn more about what's going on in Brazil and um, you know, hear your story and how you've been helping people who wouldn't have otherwise been exposed to yoga come up and and you know get the same experience or a similar experience maybe not the exact same there's as never you. any same experience <laughs> never the yeah. same experience never the same experience twice <laughs> it's <a> phenomenological <laughs> yes. by Russell, no. it's true <laughs> that's right <laughs> exactly we leave it on a philosophical note. <laughs> yeah, I would like just you to add on. Thank you very much, Russell and, and Harmony, for this, uh, uh, for having me here, for the kind of invitation, and uh, I mean, giving some room to talk about these problems in Brazil. And also, I think, uh, I mean, I really wish that this might be helpful for other people. And I mean, yoga is not neutral. Yeah, I mean, neutrality is a kind of political decision as well that's right we are in the world and trying to live there with our sanskaras and samskaras and karma and we are trying to make our yoga more relevant for other people that's that's the reason why we are for me for what we are doing here you mentioned right before we got on and it was i was i wanted to bring it up again that you were talking about using different languages to describe something as a kind of uh, uh, modal modal jazz um, description that you know you're 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 going from major chord to minor chord to mixolydian or lydian chords and in the in that way, it was so beautifully put when you when you said it, and I'm I'm not paraphrasing it exactly the same way that you did, but that we're doing yoga and we're living in our societies, and it is very much very similar, even though our experiences, uh, like our chordal structures, are of a completely different color and in and texture. Totally, yeah. That's that's beautiful. Maybe have something to do with the fractals. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> harmony mentioned uh, some minutes ago. Yeah. Mm. I'm sensing some Pink Floyd coming on, so maybe maybe we should go before this gets a little <laughs> a little weird. Yeah, yeah, deeper and deeper in this uh, philosophy. Deeper yeah. and deeper into the psychedelic philosophy. Yes, right. <laughs> psychedelic philosophy. That's a good concept. Yeah, I would try to. I like that. Yeah. I'll write a paper on the article, Harmony. Please send it to me. You'll I'll have to be in English. Though. <laughs> we'll quote you. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. We're, we're very honored to have you on. Thank you so much, Dr. Silva. Thank you, Harmony and Russell, for the generosity and also for this wonderful work you're doing uh, with your podcast and following uh, them and also trying to bring attention for people outside this mainframe of Ashtanga world. Yeah, thank you very much for this. It really counts a lot. Yeah what you're doing guys well, thank you thanks for listening to this episode of Finding Harmony with me your host Harmony Slater you can find out more information on my website harmonyslater.com and I look forward to connecting with you again soon standing in eternity's
shadow, watching the break.